Good morning and welcome to Entrepreneur Realities, the podcast of the Venture Lab of the Munich Technical University. My name is Antoine Leboyer and I'm the Managing Director of the Software and AI Tomb Venture Lab. We are joined today with Dennis Hanous, who is the Founder and the Managing Director of Worthwhile Venture, and Christos Sancharp, my colleagues, who is the Managing Director for the Built Environment and Tomb Venture Lab. Dennis, Christos, welcome to Entrepreneur Realities. Hi Antoine, thanks for having me. Hi Antoine. Let me ask the first questions. You uh, are both now working at the Adventure Lab with different roles. You've been BMD, you've been one of the mentors. How did you match each other and what are your, your respective roles? Christos, maybe we should start with you because you are the BMT. Uh, thank you, Antoine. So we uh, got introduced to each other by a former colleague of mine with whom I was working as an architect in the architectural office. And Dennis was uh, founding with him a company. And then it was time so um, to put us both into contact. And uh, then we met and we found out very quickly that we had uh, the same vision how the built environment should evolve or share some uh, same interests about entrepreneurial endeavors and ventures in the built environment. And um, from now on, looking forward, how to continue with that vision and this shared interests. Yeah, so um, it, I was thrilled actually to meet um, Christos some, some time ago and to um, to learn and to understand what they're building here at the Unternehmertum Venture Lab for the Built Environment. And um, yeah, it was great to get in contact um, about a colleague or friend, I would even call it, um, of ours and to understand um, what are you doing here, what you are aiming for, where, uh, where, you, where you are along your journey and um, what could be possible ways to assist and help and support um, your very, very nice goals you're having. Now, um, we have had in these uh, the podcast people coming from the finance world, the software world, a number of, you know, the, the food tech world. Now, what, what is happening in your, in your area and, and what in particular are the trends which are affecting your area? To, to create entrepreneurial ventures, maybe just start with you. Yeah, so I think like in, like in most of the other um, sectors as well, I think digitization is a mega trend. So that's what you can also see in architecture that started actually quite a while ago. So um, in our sector, you see um, that architects stopped drawing plans for building houses by hand and using using the computer, of course, but also like um, software, specific software to um, plan buildings like BIM, which is called um, building information modeling. That means that you're not just drawing with a computer, the plans um, which are then used to build the house, but um, that everybody um, who is part of the process of creating a house um, is working in one software environment, so in a shared environment. So that's definitely um, something we can see in architecture and um, civil engineering for the last one or two decades already. Um, but of course, there's also a more extended usage of um, software and hardware for the purpose of bringing um, things together. So for example, IoT, so the Internet of Things, um, is starting to play a major role in the construction in, in industry. That means to, um, to put or place um, sensors within buildings just to um, yeah, collect some data about humidity or climate in general within buildings, but also, for example, during the construction process so that you um, put sensors, for example, into the concrete to realize if the concrete is already stable or if you have to uh, wait a bit longer. So uh, we see that more and more the pure usage of software only for the planning process is extended 
by the usage of specific hardware uh, in the construction process, as well as um, specific machines, of course, like so like we, we see the rise of um, robots um, helping and assisting in the construction of buildings, which then helps to make a lot of heavy and hard work you can see on the con construction side for the workers at least a bit easier or even re relieve them actually um, of some heavy or um, sometimes even dangerous work. So a bit of background to the built environment. Uh, the built environment as an industry is one of the largest in the world, but failed somehow to progress in innovation in the past 20 or 30 years. So they apply the technologies uh, Dennis was just uh, mentioning, they uh, do not activate that, uh, that much in their processes. So if you talk about megatrends of the built environment, we will focus a lot about processes and construction and planning. We'll focus a lot about uh, using materials and how to deal with materials also for building and using and also the usage of spaces will be um, challenged and in this technology and digitization will help. So the whole sharing economy, what we have on spaces and stuff like that, like, like sharing flats, like sharing um, also areas and hybrid spaces um, will be supported by new technologies. And so in these areas, we will see um, new ventures coming up uh, dealing with uh, how to um, occupy space, how to share space, how to um, uh, equip space. And we will also have in the construction industry itself, so to optimize the processes, to reduce uh, the waste, to reduce uh, uh, disposal, to reduce then materials which are not recyclable or which are not uh, um, circular. and with the overall background of uh, livable futures, with the overall background of a sustainable world, the built environment has really a crucial position. And in that uh, perspective, I, I see that we will see much more ventures in the built environment because the impact they have on sustainability issue, on livability issue, on how we um, um, construct and use our spaces will promote more ventures. You mentioned the fact that in the last 20 years, your industry has good, uh, had, had not a lot of changes. Um, there's something that we often discuss in the Venture Lab, which is challenge all the opportunity of the entrepreneur in general. Um, in your sector, is this something which is a plus? Is this something that challenge? Are they early adopters or are people more um, you know, conservative, and I can see you smile because now we're because we are yeah. together in the same room. So maybe we should start with you. The, the interesting and contradicting thing is that we are very entrepreneurial in the built environment. We are trained as architects and civil engineers to found our um, consulting office, our planning office, our architectural engineering office, but we are not entrepreneurial in the sense to scale. We are not entrepreneurial in the sense to integrate technology and software to multiply our efforts. We love to do one-off prototypes. It's great to do one building, but we somehow fail to think in systems, to think in larger economies for platforms and scale. And in that sense, we are very fragmented. And uh, it is... Uh, 
difficult to shift them from from this uh, i have one office and uh, and now i'm starting a company or want to scale my idea and so there are many many little small players but they're not uh, working very well together and they're not trying to um to to scale but when we have someone who wants to scale something or when we have someone who wants to think in broader contexts then the environment is very great or the times now are very great to help them scale and to help them to do something different the larger obstacle we have is to get the people motivated to leave the traditional idea of an architectural office of an engineering office behind and channel part of uh, their knowledge into a scalable idea so did you have one of or were you also uh, someone that you know was it well how did you scale beyond the one ups that chris just mentioned yeah so um in relation to what chris has just said i would like to add that indeed it is it is a contradiction in itself that architecture and civil engineering is so much technology focused right without technology we wouldn't be able to construct buildings we would even have the resources but in its core um architecture uh, for example um replaced the hand drawing and handwriting with computers but it's 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 the same process we're doing still the exact same things just with a computer instead of having a pen right but there was no further progress realizing okay there's so much more technology could offer in terms of resource efficiency in terms of scalability in terms of um, technology um, to create more buildings faster and cheaper to um, address um, the housing crisis for example so all this potential is still left untouched in a very big way i would say then is this great that you mentioned it because i would also add that with this fragmentation with all these offices only doing their stuff and not uh, sharing it a lot of ideas remain in the drawer so they do a competition they don't win the competition this thing remains in the drawer they do a design which is uh, great for one client and they do not think okay this could be multiplied to others so no, no, you're, you're absolutely right you're absolutely right and that's actually if you think from a business perspective from a pure business perspective that's insane actually right because in every other business context i know a great idea would not die with one client right it would be pulled back into the company and then used reused or at least transformed into something that you can then use for other clients which is not bad at all quite the opposite it's 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 what business should do right it should maximize uh, maximize its input based on the fewest um set of resources you can do for it and always to go in a first to build prototypes for single stand of solutions is quite a waste actually um of technology but also like of resources of um know-how at the end of the day and as you just said like you, what what we see is a lot of different small planning offices doing competitions competing against each other but without using actually the cutting edge um in competition they could have while addressing um technology and using the technology for example something like i don't know um, progressive um architectural um, methods like um regenerative architecture things like that so i think there's a lot of potential unleft and this is where i want to pick up on your first comment saying like was there ever a better time to start um, a company 
than today? No, there was not because the potential is there, but also like the challenges are there. And the challenges are probably a bit more obvious than 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, right? I don't want to say that there were not challenges 50 years ago. Every time has its challenges, but today we see that we cannot just go on building the way we did in the last 50 years because it's too slow, it's too expensive, and it has a tremendous negative, unfortunately, environmental impact. So there's obviously a need to change something and the combination of the need to change something and the ability and accessibility of technology actually to address these problems is given today. And this is what makes um, offices or like institutions like yours so extremely valuable to that environment because again the little architectural office cannot do that it's not trained to do that you need to have something else other places than that to exactly make this progress and this accessibility happen i want to come back to another aspect of the question which i asked which is the fact of being entrepreneur in your domain in germany are uh, the german customers early adopters who are as enthusiastic as the te new technology as, as you are or do the starter that you work with have got to uh, fight to be able to convince a potential client of using new technology you know who wants to start that i just start yeah so um i think it's I it's never easy, right? So you, 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 you have to get rid of the idea that starting a company and then you, you make it through and it will happen and it will be a great success anyway. That's probably not true, right? So uh, founding a company and doing it is a long and exhausting but very fulfilling journey. That's how I would describe it. And part of that journey, obviously, because otherwise you're going to fail anyway, is to found somebody who has a certain value out of what you do. If, you, if you're failing in finding somebody who sees the value and at the end of the day is willing to pay for that, then the journey will probably not as long as I just described, but rather short. So um, this is hard. And, it, 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 it's not simple and it's not easy, but it's okay that it's not easy because um, if it would be easy, probably everybody could do it and that would leave you without any kind of competitive edge at the end of the day. So is it more difficult in Germany to find the first innovators who are willing to test or even probably to pay uh, for your solution? Actually, I don't know. Right, because probably it is also as difficult as it is in the US or in France. Actually, I do not know. What I know is that it's worth to try and worth to go that way because you will be able to explore new shores where probably nobody was before. And you will be able to find solutions for specific problems um, nobody has ever found before. So if you stay in the game and if you're willing really to push it and to change your business, yourself, your perspective your knowledge and um, in that way and um, to adapt it to um the the needs of the potential customer you will succeed at the end i would uh, play some analogy to that uh, if you say um if you ask if germany is a good place or not a good place looking at the pandemic we are facing now for two years everyone was going uh, to work from home this was a major transition or transformation for the German industry. And it was hard for the German industry to let people work from home. And now they're getting the people back to the offices because we have still some of this paradigm. Work is only what you see. You need the people in front of you. So you don't trust that much that the people are working from home. So this is a very conservative picture 
in Germany and in the industry that you only believe in what you see. And this makes it difficult for startups. If it's not already a success, I don't see the success. And we have this cultural shift already that slowly the industry and the community is accepting that we don't need to see the success right now, but we start to believe in a future success. And if it's a fail, it's a fail and that's okay. And so this is so becoming better. But from my perspective, I would say we're still facing a lot of conservative uh, views on giving younger people or people who are not from the industry a chance to try something out because still they trust positions, they trust experience, they trust uh, more what you already have succeeded in to believe you. And that's uh, something we try to change. And one final thing to add on that, speaking of architectural competitions, architectural offices invest a lot in competitions they may lose. So this is sunk cost, this is money they never get back. On the other side, they are completely um, resistant to invest the same amount in a startup. So the money may be lost in both cases, but for the competition, yeah, we, we participate in the competition, no matter what it costs. Do we fund a startup with uh, the same amount of money or maybe half of the money we would pay for the competition internally? No, they haven't showed anything which could work. And this is something where I see, okay, we need to rethink investments. We need to rethink the, the ventures we do. Absolutely, absolutely. I would agree on that, even extending it to the extent that I say, like, um, they're, they're used to wasting money for things they know will not pay back, but they're not um, willing to take the same amount of money to invest it into something uncertain. Let's phrase it like that. So, but I think both of the examples you just given are um, great for showing that we might have even a better chance than two years ago to found a company and to be successful because with the, the knowledge that uh, two years ago, nobody thought that um, 80, 90% of the, of the office workers could um, effectively uh, work from home. We now have made that experience. And I've seen people stating their case, not connected to that topic that they work from home saying, yeah, true, probably um, it's an insane idea, but probably um, two years ago, nobody would have believed that we could all work from home, but we did. So it also gives something back to society in a cultural way if we let it happen, saying like, we just didn't see that coming and we didn't see that we have it in us, but we had, and we were able to make it happen. And it worked out in a pretty good way, actually. So nobody would state today, I hope at least, that we all need to go back to the office, right? To say like, no, hybrid models are okay. So we were pushed into something new. And this push can also give back on a cultural level saying, okay, if that happened and it worked out pretty well, probably a lot of other stuff we think is impossible, we should tackle because at the end, it's probably not that impossible. At least stay back on, on, on something that you alluded. How do you convince not necessarily only the, the potential customer, but the students to become entrepreneurs? And how do you guys support them? Currently, we only can place offers. We can place uh, uh, lectures, workshops, uh, little design sprints where we introduce them 
with the challenge and coach them through this process. We are open to discuss also the um, ideas to do, but it's still um, difficult to um, work against this traditional model of founding a civil engineering office, founding uh, five to 10 uh, people office and becoming um, only uh, a planning office. The, we support uh, with uh, our knowledge, with our network, if uh, anyone or any student is interested in, and we try with these courses to um, create an awareness for that part. It would be uh, better if we could spread it much more, if we would have... Um, Dennis is already a role model as a trained architect to to shift over into another entrepreneurial um, endeavor, but also to have uh, successful engineers, successful architects uh, to say, okay, this career path or this different thinking, entrepreneurial thinking isn't a, a, a respected, uh, um, acknowledged way to succeed in the future. And this will take a couple of years more. more. We can't do it now in one or two years, I would say in five to 10 years. I think you, what, what you do in the core of your daily work is we're sitting in a beautiful room, in a beautiful building, in a very beautiful city of Munich, and that's all great, right? Don't let, get me wrong, the sun is shining, great windows, light comes in, beautiful, especially for architects, beautiful. But I think the core of what you do here is you show that there's not just one, but there's one and two. So there is an alternative. There's an alternative way you can go, which gives you a much broader perspective. Because if you think in the beginning that once I've decided to study architecture, I will be an architect one day. Mm -hmm. And this is like, there's no way around that. Then this is, you know, it narrows you so much down that you probably don't start to study architecture in the first place because you think like, I'm not 100% sure if I want to be an architect, but I must be an architect once I've studied it. And it's not true. There are alternative ways and there are great alternative ways, pathways to explore were also worth to be explored at the end of the day. And that's a super important uh, issue you mentioned, Dennis, because we're not only focusing on architects and civil engineers. We are open to any student or researcher or people who want to improve the built environment and tackle that. And currently we have more teams not coming from the architectural and civil engineering discipline, which who want to develop something new. And one aspect would uh, be for us important aspect to, to, to nurture this interdisciplinarity to say, okay, you can't do it alone. If you say one and one, is two or one and one is three. As an architect, it's great the skills that you have. As a civil engineer, it's great. But let's get let's get an informatics uh, person. Let's get let's get uh, someone who is trained in management who can set up an operation, and that makes it really really valuable for all of them and to open that up because we do not possess as architects and designers. We, it's not only on us to change the built environment, but it's it's open to all, and we're uh, here to assist whoever wants to improve that. And that's the way 
in my opinion, that's the way how you create something which was not there before. Because if you only stick with the architects and the civil engineers only stick with the civil engineers, there will be architectural and civil engineering solutions. That's the way it works. The company I founded, we founded as a founders team of four, um, made of um, computer scientists, biologists, me uh, mechanical engineers, and me as an architect. So normally we always said like, well, pitching on a stage, this is the impossible team because these four people on a university campus normally never meet and in an extent to that they never found a company together but once you do you can come up with a solution to a problem nobody ever has thought before because it gives you this unique perspective or perspectives as a plural actually on a very specific problem and you can then come up with a solution which enhance all this um, perspectives into one product, into one um, service or solution for um, a potential customer at the end of their buying. And this is super valuable. So on the one hand, showing an alternative, presenting an alternative pathway, you can go as an architect, but then also to connect you to other people interested in the same area, probably even trying to solve the same problems, but with their unique additional point of views to your skill set. Let me conclude by the usual questions. Do you have any advice for our listeners? Christos? Whatever you imagine as impossible, just try to find a way or call us. <laughs> um, I would always say that um, just start probably might be the best advice, but it's also the hardest thing to do. So we are so so much trained and so much learned over our lives that it's um, so hard to start and there's everything is already solved and there's so many smart people in the world you don't want to compete with. Um, that's all true, but it's also all not true, right? So you have your very specific set of skills, your very specific network, your view on the world. And this is something so valuable that you should not waste, waste it in jobs you do not like, but you should go for something you care about and try to solve a problem which really concerns you. Thank you very much. On top of your realities available on the Major Podcast platform where you can find other inspiring presentations. Do subscribe if you like this podcast and want to hear more. Do give us a rating, let your friend about it, and we look forward to having you for more entrepreneurial realities.